Some of the top Japanese players in the world have come out with a Topanga tier list for Season 5 of Street Fighter V, and to put it lightly, we have some pretty heavy disagreements with it. Plus, Dragon Ball Fighter starts up a comeback, the clock is ticking for Capcom to figure out online issues, I have some first-hand experience with Street Fighter Amateur League, and more, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Perfect. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. I'm feeling good. I got some uh, some BDE to roll into this morning's podcast with. I want to talk about a bunch of different things that we have on the docket today, so let's roll into it. Yeah, uh, and, and what he means by BDE there is uh, we were trying to get our microphone settings like perfect, and so I sent him a shot of my microphone, and he said, hey, you sent me a... For those of you that don't know about the Yeti microphone, especially if you put it sideways, it's 100% just a big dick joke for all of us that are five years old inside. So, uh, yeah, my boss sent me one of those. Cool. Yeah, I sent him that photo. He can deal with it. Whatever. (laughs) Sorry about that, dude. But anyway, uh, let's get into it. Let's put some other people on blast instead of ourselves. Uh, Tokido, Gachakun, Mago. They put out a tier list. And right off, I'm going to say I think this tier list and most of the others that I've seen out there... Uh, are heavily biased towards characters that these players know really well, and the ones that they don't know, it ain't looking too good. It, it is, I see a very flawed tier list when this thing popped up on my radar. Uh, and I'm not saying everything's wrong here. I, I want to be very clear with that. Just that I think that the list has some very obvious flaws, which I'll be pointing out. And the main reason I think that the majority of tier lists are flawed up to this point is if it was obviously so damn early into season five, right? That's just, it's a given. But if you go and you watch these players uh, and, and watch them play, watch your footage and whatnot, you are seeing aspects of the matchups and other things they are very clearly not familiar with. I actually ran into Punk uh, and um, I play Monats, you know, uh, V-Skill 2, the Soul Spiral and whatnot. And uh, Punk hasn't put out a tier list, but I'm just using this as an, as an example. Punk is probably the best Street Fighter V player alive right now. Uh, you know, you can argue Idom or you can argue whoever. Uh, yeah, pound results. for pound, no one's done what Punk's done. Yeah, he's he's the best on the planet, if you ask me still. Uh, I don't kind of care like who wins until someone can consistently beat him in tournament. I think he's the best. Uh, I did Monat Soul Spiral, and, he, and he's like, I have never seen that move before. What is that move? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm kind of cracking up here because that's like my reputation. I play stuff that people just don't know. Uh, if Punk doesn't know that move with the amount of time he puts into these characters in this game, it's like how many of these players don't really know uh, the matchups for, you know, all the characters we're about to talk about. And that is the crux of my argument here is that, look, Tokido, Gachikun, Mago, I respect the hell out of you guys. You guys are all great players, far better than me as players. But some of your knowledge here, I'm calling out because I flat out don't think you know what you're talking about. And you threw these opinions out here. So we get to critique them. There it is. Yeah, we got to bring up the fact that people are going to say, and rightfully so, who the hell are you guys, event hubs, to call out Japanese players that have won Evo and won majors and done basically that have the resume that these guys have and say, how are you going to critique them and their opinions on a tier list? Well, hey, we do this every single day. We pay a lot of attention and though we have not had those same results in tournament, that is only one part of this. And like you said, they are incredibly informed. But I think that we also kind of all, there's like a sort of stereotype that goes into when you think about how like the Japanese and like the Eastern players uh, approach fighting games versus how a lot of the Westerners, the Westerners are a lot more rowdy. I remember my first trip to Evo talking about the way Westerners don't like to share tech, save it for nationals or whatever the term is, versus 
versus in Japan, they're all just constantly sharing. And you think about, you know, training with a lot more discipline and, and, and as opposed to just for fun. And I don't know how much of all that is actually true. A lot of it is perpetuated by the way the Japanese are often so just stoic on stage and they just get up there, they take care of business, they shake your hand and then they get off stage. Well, you know, if, if someone from, uh, from the West or, or a lot of other places on the planet gets up there and wins, they just, they pop off and it's a big thing and it's exciting, but you're also like, ah, not as much discipline and honor and such. And maybe those other guys are a little bit more wise. And the history books have shown that, hey, most of the time they are. You cannot throw this tier list out by any means. But I do agree with you that I think there are some pretty big flaws here. And maybe flaws isn't the exact right way of putting it because we haven't seen much evidence for whatever our uh, side of things is going to be either, right? Like we haven't seen anything except for the tournaments that they've seen play out. They've gotten to play with each other and we've gotten to play kind of online and with, you know, each other over here. Um, but at the end of the day, there are, there are some picks on this list that you just go just on paper. How do you see this as, as like, like, how do you see G outside of the top five? For instance, is probably right. one of the big ones. And, and this isn't the first time we've had this kind of conversation because I'll take you back to season two. Japan said that season two, Laura was one of the lower tier characters in the game. And that's just not the case because just on paper, like maybe she had a few faults or something, but the, the, just frame data, the situations, how much life she could she could take from you for the kind of risk she was going to take to do that. Um, and, and like that standing medium kick and her V-trigger sequences, it just all added up to this character can't really be that bad. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because there's more to this, but did you have anything else to say on, on like the, the front end of all this? Yeah, just to add on the front end is, is that uh, between Nicholas Majin and myself, I don't know if there's two people who watch more footage on the planet than we do. Uh, and we follow this stuff on Event Hubs in a different way. This is our job. So we we don't look at this as like what the best stuff is. We look at this as like what is the ecosystem of the game? Uh, mm -hmm. how, are, how is this working with the players? Like we have a different viewpoint. And I'm saying, hey, that makes us right and that makes these other guys wrong. That is not what I'm saying. Just we have a different way of approaching this stuff. And so some of our knowledge is going to be firmer and better. And then some of it is going to be worse, right? Because we're not able to play the games at the level Tokido is or Punk is or anything like that. So some of the stuff they know is going to be better than ours. Some, some of what we know is going to be better than theirs. Because again, when this is your job, when this is like what you do for a living and you need to know this stuff, you better be studying it at a high level. And that's what we do. And we talk about it. We try to break it down. Not that we're perfect, but but there it is. Um, but you already actually brought up G. So I want to go right back to him. Sure. And, and mention that, that this is a character um, that is not even in their top tier. He is eighth overall behind people like Colleen and Akuma. And, and is this I'm in like, order oh, left to right or only in yeah, tiers? Yeah, it is all in order. Yeah, everything okay. is ordered. So eighth overall. Yes. And and I, I want to note here that Tokido uh, is looking heavily at Yurian, um, who they have listed at number one overall, which, you know, I mean, that's fine. I, I don't have a, a big issue with that. That might be the case. I'm not buying it personally myself, but I can't argue heavily against it. But the thing about it is he might be dropping Akuma. This is a character that a bunch of other players who played previously in season four have dropped. And they have him right now as fourth overall. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going, wait a second. And you've got G below him of all things. Like, what are you thinking? To quote the angry video game nerd, what were they thinking? You know, kind of thing. it's like, I don't, that, that's baffling to me. And I would love to have an explanation for why they have that. And, and a character like Colleen, who's good. But they have her very, very far up the tiers. I, I just there's a bunch of stuff jumping out to me that I don't get. Colleen is third overall, to be very clear on this one, and, and it's just I don't get it. But but yeah. So there's a big, um, consistent thread that runs through. Um, I would just say gaming in general. Whenever there's the potential of patch, and whenever a new iteration comes out, this is in fighting games. And I remember the first time thinking about it was when Marvel Three came out because everyone was terrified of Sentinel, and Sentinel was a big deal previously in Marvel Two, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And people were saying this character is going to destroy everyone, and I believe he was particularly strong in vanilla. But Justin Wong, quickly after the launch of the game, came out with a video where he was detailing like yes sentinel has a bunch of very obvious strengths and more so uh the character is able to i would say the banner over this entire topic right now is the uh or this thread of the topic is the scrub killer characters characters that are easy to um it's easy to showcase their very strong stuff and at the very start they look incredibly powerful but when you dig into them when justin wong dug further into sentinel he went he had to go to more particular detailed areas that you might not be as a as a lower ranked player paying attention to but when you start to focus on those areas you see very clear and and consistent holes in their gameplay in their abilities and if you can use those against the character Suddenly, that doesn't necessarily take them from S tier down to D tier or something like that, but it regulates them significantly. And suddenly there might not be a whole head and shoulders above everybody else. And I see that happening very consistently through many different games. Um, A big example that just happened to me in Heroes of the Storm, they recently released a new character where half of of, of the game's mechanics just don't apply to this character. And you're like... And, and he's just destroying everything. Like, he can't be crowd-controlled. Um, and, and there's a couple of other things. Anyways, he's absolutely dominating, and he was overpowered. But they nerfed him twice, and people are still worried about him because he's so different. But I was playing in a, a, a ranked game and basically figured out that people in the higher levels were not afraid of this character. Um, because he's so easily countered. They figured out counters to him. So it's like, yeah, we hope they pick that character early because then we can pick counters to him. And I go, oh, interesting, because in the entire world that I've been playing in, everybody's just been like, this character is ridiculous and overpowered and there's no way around it. But when you look at it with a more intricate lens, let's say, you really find answers. Now, that might be Japan's approach here to saying that or that might be kind of part of their argument is to say like yes G has V trigger one but there are also some pretty massive holes in the character's gameplay which I mean I don't see them I see like where he's not as strong as as other characters in certain places but I don't see any like oh my gosh if you do this to G he's done people make the argument like defense is a thing well we can talk about that another time, but I, I don't agree that his defense is is so bad that it breaks him as a character. I think yeah. he's still going to be very consistent. Um, and and again, it when, just kind of comes you down get to Rashid numbers. Players to drop Rashid and go to another character, and that character is G. That's a very good character, it's something, and especially. Right? The tears enthusiast out there, which is Big Bird and Dual Kevin, and props to those guys. They went right over to G, and they're playing the character now. Like, I mean. Ugh. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. But so yeah. you know that Japan is paying attention because the rest of the world, well, I, I, I can't say the entire world, but from what I've seen, I'm absolutely in the U.S. and I think in, in, in Europe as well, G is one of the top characters just across the board. And it might be that Japan is thinking, you know what, these guys are just not seeing the holes in the gameplay. I feel like that's how they approached Laura back in Season 2, but I also think they were wrong about Laura in Season 2. And from what I've experienced thus far, I think they're wrong about G. I think, I will also say, I think that the game's in a better place balance-wise than it ever has been. Uh, It seems to be so far, and it's still early, but looks that way. Uh, G might not be as overwhelming of a top tier as we've seen the top tiers of the past be, and that's great. Because again, you have to have a top tier, and it's like, well, okay, great, maybe it's G and Yuri and such, but they're not so far ahead, and and that would be best case scenario in my opinion. But yeah, I still, I'm just trying to find reasons why Japan would be saying what they're saying, and it's kind of hard to. Yeah, I, it's I, again. It comes down to when you watch some of the players, like even last season in season four, you saw Ida one Strider go out there, and I'm like, oh man, they better not jump right now to that setup. And they jumped, and Strider killed him. And I'm like, yeah. you have to know when G does certain things on screen, you cannot counter them. You just have to sit there and hold them and and hope you guessed right. If you try to jump, if you try to do the wrong things, and I watched so many times where Strider had a great setup. You know, he's playing the whole match of you know, footsies and approach and other stuff like that, but you get to that one crucial point in the matchup and they're, you're like, does the player know what to do here? And there were some Japanese players and a few others um, that knew what to do in those scenarios, but they were few and far between. And most often you would see those adjustments like on top eight, you know, they wouldn't see them the first day and it's like, okay, they're going into the lab and they're looking at the stuff and they're going, how the heck do I counter this yeah. G character and whatnot? And again, it comes from a lot of ignorance. Uh, and again, we, you know, we have history of this. It's, it's, they, they have, criminally underrated some characters in recent times here with Street Fighter V. Um, who knows how much it's happened in the past or not. You know, It's up for debate, but we do know for I mean, I guess you could debate it, but I'll, I'll say for a fact that Laura was criminally underrated by Japan um, in you know, season two. I, and I don't, I don't know who would argue that point uh, at this point in time uh, and that G, you know, continues to be like a character that they, they stumble like over like properly evaluating. Um, and, and yeah, so there it is. And I don't think you hear people say, well, Japan plays in a certain style, and maybe it's like just not their style. But I don't think so. I think Japan has a, a wealth of different characters played at a high level across the board, and they play each other, and they get to experience that. Now, they maybe they don't have much in the way of G. And you know what's still just a crazy anomaly to me is the fact that Nemo, whose play style I think is exactly G, it's like a, a good balance between chaos and order, and that's exactly what you want, well, with most characters, but he can really take advantage of that. And Nemo was just not able to get him to work for whatever reason. G is not a crazy character. He, he, the problem with G is um, people think he's crazy. And, and this is one of the, the big problems I do actually have. And, and I actually feel very confident uh, uh, talking about G and the matchup and whatnot and how you need to play against the character because uh, I play against uh, Dream King a lot. And then I play against Dankadias actually quite a bit online. And he used to play G like all the time. Uh, and then a number of others. Like G was, in my circles, he was very popular. He was probably the character I had the most experience against. And he has a lot of misconceptions about how he plays and what he does. And people think he's just this crazy wild go nuts character and yes to some degree he has that but like low rush punch into his fireball that's safe 
That's not necessarily crazy. That's just doing a move that has no risk pretty much associated with it at all in most circumstances. There, there's a few ways to counter it. Um, and so G can, by outwards appearances, it looks like the player is going crazy and not calculating anything at all, when in reality he's just making a super safe bet that just has a gigantic, completely unfair payoff. Oh, well, and, I, I don't and, think we're disagreeing then, but I'm just okay. saying that he can be uh, sort of like sudden and sporadic in the neutral, and he can also hang back and let you hang yourself or play some, some decent footsies. He has different gears to play, but he can at any moment zip forward and go with the the fireworks displays um, and, and just go crazy on you maybe. And, and then, of course, his offensive sequences are high flying because he's doing flips and you're on fire and you're flying across the whole stage. So that, I think, adds to the way people perceive the character as, quote unquote, crazy. Um, but now, uh, I think that where we differ then is like I look at Nemo as a nut in terms of how he plays because season one Vega, this dude is, dude is doing slides all over the place. And it's like negative 20 kind of thing. And with Urian, he's doing EX headbutts. He's doing unsafe dashes. He's doing all this kind of stuff. He literally plays like a nut. And he just doesn't have enough unsafe moves. <laughs> I guess not. I mean, again, I, I really don't think you can play G like a completely crazy character uh, and, and have success with them. I think you have to go to other characters to get that. And I do think you can have a lot of success playing Urian like a crazy person because we have plenty of evidence of that. But but there it is. Yeah. So so and one more thing I would say to the uh, the craziness of G to try to to try to define what we're saying when we say crazy. Another and, and you kind of said this is that he can do these things that are really good that just have minimal risk to them. And I would say they should have risk. They should be crazy uh, in the sense that they are a risk, but a lot of them just aren't. And they also tend to cover multiple options. Like you're playing footsies there and he's throwing fireballs at you. So he's occupying all of the space directly in front of him. And especially if he's leveled up at all, you're really scared to be in that space right there. And then he also has like standing medium kick and a buffed crouching medium. Anyways, he's got options to occupy the space in front of him. So that's going to encourage you to jump. And but also simultaneously, another one of his poking tools in the neutral is that flip kick, which is minus five, I think it is. But it's not punished. His legs are so long that if he does it at the right distance, he's not close enough for you to punish him when he does it. So you get at that just range. Just to clarify, it's negative four. And then in some levels, in some circumstances, it's safe. It's negative two. Yeah, so when he's in level three or when he's yeah. EX. Uh, yeah, certain circumstances, like he has got, like, if you look at his move list, like he's got 50 special moves in there. Uh, and I'm kind of not even joking. I don't know if it's 50, but it's like 30 or something like that. And it's all the different levels and different strings yeah. of his moves. Oh, you're right. It, it is negative five, but it does go to negative two. So you can definitely punish it. But but yeah. Right. So. so but but an example of something that happens fairly consistently, he sets you up so you feel like you do need to put the jump option into your offense if you're trying to get in on him. And so. So you're there and you're and, and at any point he can use the, the the wheel kick as a poking tool. Now, if you happen to jump and he happened to wheel kick, which is being used as a poking tool and also a combo ender. So it has clear purposes. It also serves as an amazing anti-air, not a reactionary one. But if he's doing that wheel kick and you jumped, he's hitting you out of the air clean and he gets to follow that up with just pretty much a regular combo into the business, especially depending on how many resources he has. And so not only is he doing that to poke you 
Not only can he use that as a combo ender, but it also serves as a, oh, well, it happened to anti-air because you were doing the thing that was countering the situation, and this serves as yet another answer to another thing. He has so many options, and, and, and oh my gosh, if he touches you anywhere ever, it feels like he can pick it up into big damage and corner carry. His conversion is insane. The character's amazing, Japan. Why can't you see this? So the, the, the lesson here is that if you put out a tier list and you do not have G in your top tier thing, Event Hubs gets very triggered and we're going to go ballistic on you. Like I'm so many shape Not Steven. Is- Steven's probably like so happy to see this. <laughs> uh, I, actually, I think he mostly agrees like that G is like really good, you know, um, despite playing like, you know, V, v skill 2, V trigger 2 for him, uh, which is, you know. Not Dumb. the most popular. <laughs> no, it's actually not for him. But but yeah, um, uh, I tell him that all the time. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not the most potent version of G. We'll just say kind of thing. But uh, stylistically, right? And I'll actually very quickly dialogue on that. The whole difference of of playing uh, a V skill or a V trigger like that that's different than what the norm is is like. Yeah, you can go to the tier list or go to the character select screen and pick the best character in the game. You can go pick Rashid. You can go pick whoever, right? Um, and get by with it. Or you can do something that more fits your style and does your approach, even if it is not clearly the better move it's more important to have a stylistic fit and we just saw that with laura winning capcom cup right that's it's a huge that's part of why things. you go to yeah. that stuff so it's a valid approach to the game i've yeah. gotten too far locked into the idea that everything needs to be optimal and played to win but as i kind of move away from the tournament circuit not traveling as much It's more like, yeah, play for what works and play for what makes it fun for you and get the most out of the game that you're here to get out of it. If you're Tokido, play the top tier and try to win. Sure, because you need to keep your bed of money all fluffy. But if you're not Tokido, maybe that's not you. And maybe you can play G, V, Trigger 2, V, Skill 2, explore stuff. And hey, those are the people that find out the new stuff that that no one realized and then can show Japan that G is actually a good character. So. And again, even uh, even with the pros, though, like a lot of people were not playing Karen, uh, where Punk stuck with the character and showed everyone like, hey, look, I get she's worse in season one, but she's still really good. And with punishing, like you can't with punish in Street Fighter Five, it's wish punishing and all that kind of stuff. Well, here's Punk doing it consistently all throughout matches with the input delay, with everything else going on and still doing it with the character and doing it at a high level. And as we both just talked about, probably the best Street Fighter Five player on the planet. So wow. there's even with the pros, you can pull this stuff off but again um yeah it's kind of a discussion i think for another time but yeah i I digress um so let's get back into the tier list here mika our mika is clear down in the c tier that is the second to last (laughs) tier here and even though outright in the patch notes they say the character got very few changes which you can look over for yourself uh in season four, Mika was a heavily debated character in terms of where she was overall. Some people said she, like she was right around the top 10, while there's, you know, just outside of that. We had her at 15th overall in our own tier rankings that, you know, we did on the podcast several months back. Um, again, very debated here, but they have her on this list clear down at 21st. 21st for this character and probably you could argue this is maybe not even viable you could argue that it is i mean it's almost the same bracket like just you know like jury is right behind her cody is in this list nash blanca like all these people are in the same category right now a bunch of characters you normally associate with not being good and not being tournament viable mika's in that same category well who above her here would you say doesn't belong above her uh i mean Okay, so that's that's a very fair question. Um, based on history, I would say Zangief. 
Um, I, I think Zangief continues to be overrated by the masses. I really don't get that. I'd probably have uh, her over Manat. I think Manat's generally about mid-tier still. Um, and then based on what you've been telling me, it seems like Kage is being very overrated. So those are the characters like right off the top of my head that I would have for above. Well, I would so. put Kage around, I would say, 15th. And what do they have in here? 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Hey, yeah. Japan so really knows what's up. <laughs> um, but so, I, I don't think... Oh, here's Here are my thoughts on Mika. She has some very scary stuff that sucks and is memorable to get hit by. And she's had some very scary stuff that sucks and is memorable to get hit by for her entire Street Fighter V career. That said... Oh, wait, hang on a second. Ibuki's down? Okay, hang on. We're going to talk about that next. Uh, but Mika, she... Ibuki's below Mika in this tier list. I know. I, don't I know. Okay. All right. Well, very quickly on Mika. Uh, and I've also played consistently a Thrasher in my local scene. He's played Mika for all but the last couple of months where he's switched over almost full-time to Lucia. But uh, So I, I've had my experience with Mika at a decent level, and I can say that while she has those scary things that stick in your mind and stick in your heart and you oftentimes come away from this game feeling like crap after you've played an Armika, I think that gets put into or that gets put on the scale along with how powerful she is if you're kind of going off like your emotional reaction. Now I'm not saying that's all you're doing here with with where you're kind of putting her on your own personal tier list, but I think that's a significant thing that I've seen over and over again by people because she is one of those characters with clear holes in her gameplay, especially after the nerfs, after like season one and such. But you still see people getting away with uh, the Mika doing standing medium punch, which is a, a big, you know, it gets the party started when it hits. But you can't do it twice. It's negative. Things like that. But the, she'll still get away with it because people just haven't labbed out the character. And you know when you've had Fudo, uh, you're practicing with Fudo con so consistently, uh, they've they've really labbed out the character, and he's even migrated away to to other characters. I think really Luffy is like one of the only consistent that level Mika players that we're seeing anymore, and he complains about the character I mean, quite Mojo a bit just, as well. He run one. Uh, Mojo's on his way up. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, this that's my big issue with this is like we continue to underrate Mika, and she's one of the best tournament performing characters, and she's basically the same as she was in season four, and she's one of the best tournament characters. Like we we keep trying to downplay her i don't get it i i i have a potential explanation of what i think might be going on but i i want to stay on this point like how do we continue to just say mika's garbage like are not that good and whatnot and yet her tournament results are great they're not good they're great yeah how did she do at evo japan do you know off the top of your head not off the top of my head now. I don't either, but I can look it up on eventhubs.com which has all your information for all your character usage stats across all the big events character usage but yeah I, I really feel that she's somewhere kind of in the middle and she can get the job done it's clear but there are also it's it's like 50 50 vil with mika and she doesn't have great neutral she has 50 50 neutral so when that's what you're coming in with again i go back to just go to the paper she should be and, and paper only gives you so much but she should be like kind of around the middle if you're a, a just 50-50 through and through with a handful of nerfs on the way. There were two Armikas and then one uh, secondary Armika in the top 128 of EVO Japan. Yeah, not very good, but I mean, still the history. But of she character. did win Frosty Faustings, yeah. um, and and you're right. Like she, it's not weird to see a Mika pop up in top eight, but it's usually yeah. Luffy or or had been Fudo. Mm -hmm. 
And then if it's like, and that's the other thing, when you get into the lower, the the lower ranks of players, ranks, I don't know, like the, the lower classes where it's not world class, you know, Tokido and, and, and friends, but you have someone like Mojo who's on the up and up. Uh, it's like a lot of different characters start showing up. And then when you go, what I would say is like the, the farthest you could down that, down that particular rabbit hole and you look at like the online tournament results then you're having vegas pop up and fangs pop up in top eight and you go yeah well it's at that point it's like another different platform because you're saying online and then you're also it's like the the skill level and the the amount of detailed intricate studying that's gone into it is probably less than it is at the highest levels and so you're going to see uh weaker characters do better but i think that's a factor as well I'll fire one more shot and just say that like Jury is right next to Mika. They're in the same tier bracket. They're I mean, they're basically saying these characters are very comparable to each other. And I'm like, if you compare Mika's history to Jury, it is a night and day difference. And the whole thing I keep going back to here is history because Mika barely changed. And so that means what I think the only reasonable explanation I could come up with is like the things around Mika changed a lot. And yeah. basically what Japan might be saying is like, look, a bunch of her bad matchups, like those characters all got better. And so those matchups that she previously won, maybe she now loses or it goes even or something like that. And that's knocked her down five or six spots in the tiers. And again, that just seems like a stretch compared to what we've seen for the character. It's like if the character barely gets touched, do these other characters improve that much more around her that her bad matchups were? And I'm just like, I keep going back to no. And I think that we're going to see Fudo, um, Mojo, Joey, however he wants to go by now. um, Oh, it's Joey now, yeah. And a bunch of other players that that play this character. She's fairly popular in tournament. Um, I think they're going to do the same stuff they've been doing before. And it's like, it's so another problem we had, Obviously, we kind of disagree back and forth a little bit, but that's fine, you know. Um, but I do want to get into the next character you did, did bring up, and that is Abuki. And they actually have her a, a few spots under Mika, so that puts her at around like, you know, 25 range and stuff. Uh, this character won Red Bull Kumite. Uh, she is a very mixed kind of results character in terms of how much you see her and whatnot. So if if you're like, yeah, Abuki is mid-tier or whatever, well, they've got Gil as bottom eight, and they've got Dalsum as the worst character in the game. The worst character in the game. Dalsum, just for people who don't know, he got more health. He got a better standing medium punch. He has more cancel options into his um, air V-skill, the V-skill one. Um, I don't get how Dalsum is now the worst character in the game based on those changes that we got. Um, when he cle- clearly was not the worst character before. He was, yeah, you know, there, there was a lot of mixed results on Dalsum in terms of how good he was or was not. But he's somehow now the worst character in the game below Fong, below Falk, Alex, all these other characters. No, 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 no. Dalsum's now the worst. What? How did that happen? He got buffed. He, he he's a better character. He That's, may not be we a lot. Fear Dalsum here in Arizona because Akita just yes. he rocks our world most of the time, yes. and we've seen we've seen a side of Dalsum that uh, oh he was saying he played against uh, Phenom. Phenom like reached out to him to 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 do some training. I don't know how long ago it was, and he went even with Phenom's Nikali. Now he usually beats my Nikali. Uh, like in tournament when we play, but it's been a little while. And uh, but but Nikali has traditionally been a matchup where it's probably it's supposed to be really bad for Dalsum because it's just a matter of when Nikali gets in and then just goes ham. But when you're talking about like it's one thing to beat my Nikali, but when you're saying you're going even with Phenom's Nikali, like that's a big deal. 
Yeah. You know, like that that says that we don't know the character as well as we thought. And we haven't had a ton of Dalsam examples. We had Filipino Champ, who took the character to Evo Top 8, by the way, a few years ago. And then um, a couple a couple more, uh, like Diddy Mokov and... Uh, yes, Commander Jesse. Uh, Commander yeah. Jesse's up there, absolutely. And uh, there's some in um, in Europe, too. I, I, there's, I love you, Dalsams. Okay, actually, I don't, but... But I know you're out there, and the character has performed for sure. So no, I, I disagree. He's very much not at the bottom of my own tier list, and uh, Japan's whack. Yeah. But Ibuki, yes. So uh, the character is uh, she's just mixups.com, and in this game, that's that gets you pretty far. It feels like it, when you have as many mixup, uh, as much mixup potential, and the ability to get it started as Ibuki does. That puts a floor on you where I feel like you can't go below a certain level. And I don't exactly know where that is, but it's not halfway below the rest of, you know, it's like not halfway down the tier list. And she's at what, 24th overall? <laughs> Something like, and just to, again, some context for people. She's right next to Cody, Blanca, and Nash. Great. And, and, and right behind Ed. Yeah, behind Ed and Jury. It definitely, Which I've been hearing a lot of yeah. good things about Ed. And, and, and actually. Yeah, me too. To your point about, or to what we were saying about Mika, the characters that are ranked above Mika are all characters that have either previously been top tiers and have been shaken down a little bit. Like Karen, she's she's like four places above Mika now, which maybe with the, I can see that happening with the nerfs that she got versus the buffs of the characters around her. Maybe she fell to that sort of an area. That I can, I can take that. Poison coming up because she got a bunch of buffs. Kage getting a bunch of buffs coming up. Uh, I, I can see that. Like, like actually, this where Mika's at kind of makes sense to me, but Ibuki makes zero sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, just a couple other things, too, because we're harping on this pretty hard, and I want to get through it. And, and just mention that um, they also have Karen now as a mid-ish tier character. She's apparently worse than Zangief. Um, I don't get that one, especially with Zangief having some still lopsided matchups. Um, they they barely changed Zangief around. Like he's not much of a different character. And again, what has changed there is Kichipamu doing very well with the character. Um, hmm. Zeku is Must now be V skill too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Zeku's now 19th overall. Uh, he's fallen from a, a top 10 spot, apparently, from season four. A lot of people had him there. He's fallen nine spots, according to their list. Um, Didn't he get buffs? I, I, well, young Zeku definitely got nerfs. Uh, he's definitely a worse character, but old Zeku got a very significant buff with his uh, crouching medium kick being able to be canceled. So it, it's... I, I don't know where he's going to shake out at. Maybe he's exactly the same. Maybe he's a little worse. Maybe he's a little better. I don't know. Um, I can't see him falling off dramatically from where he was. A lot of the people who were playing him before are still playing him. So Let's see what Infectious says. We'll see what yeah. Infectious says and what he does. So anyway, so so getting to it and wrapping this up here, uh, maybe a bunch of this stuff will hold up. And I'm a total idiot. And, and man, uh, I just completely off base. But parts of this tier list just look flat out bad. And my main point here isn't to bash the guys who put it together, but more to illustrate that even the pros, some of the best players out there, they have severe blind spots where they're unfamiliar with certain characters and matchups, and they just don't haven't put it together. And I would be outright shocked if we're halfway into the CPT and this tier list holds up really well. I'd be outright shocked. So to me, it's just a big reminder to have faith in your own skills of deduction and processing, and don't worry so much about what people say, especially this early into a major balance change for a game. It is so early on that so many people are, are just struggling with it. But where these tier lists are good is they 100% could be a solid guideline to work off of. There's a bunch of stuff we're not talking about here where it's like, yeah, that adds up. Or, you know, things you've mentioned, like you're like, yeah, Poison and Kage, those kind of make sense in terms of where they're placed at and whatnot. This is a solid 
solid guideline to go with. It's just don't take the whole thing and, and digest it as like, oh yeah, this is this is going to be legit and holding up really well in three or four months from now. Uh, I get that it comes from some of the most respected names in our community, um, but even the pros struggle with categorizing and sorting through these things right now. So Clearly. <laughs> I want to see what happens three big events into the year, see what shakes out then, and then revisit this. But yeah, right now I'm not putting my money on this tier list being, uh, parts of this tier list being all that accurate. Yeah. So moving up here uh, next, uh, I did want to talk about items tier list for Poison. Uh, he actually had this character now uh, with 21 favorable matchups and then five disadvantaged and then the rest fall in the even category. And it seemed like the only one that was heavily disadvantaged was actually Bison. And let's just say for the sake of argument that Idom's tier list for Poison is 100% accurate. That would put her as one of the better characters in the game. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if that's top five um, as, you know, like how someone reads like someone's matchups, you know, they can vary a good bit. Um uh, and and top being a top five character in this game is really hard to do. You're a great character if you're in there, but it is based on items tier list alone, saying it's 100% accurate, it's possible she's in there. Um, but I would say at the very worst case scenario, she's top 10 based on what item has put up out there. So um, most people weren't putting uh, Poison that high previously. Like uh, Gachikun, to- uh, Tokido, Mago, they had her as 15th overall. Um, and, and there it is. Um, so... I went in there and looked a little bit more at the character. I actually ran into Punk's Poison, as I mentioned before. Uh, and, of course, he beat me. Um, and it's just, it's very interesting to see, how one, how many people are playing the character. I know Mochi's been playing her a little bit. And and just kind of, like, her general recognition in the community once someone puts a stamp on her, like, with winning Capcom Cup. You know, it's just and how many people pick up the character. So she got Knives buffs here in Season 5. Her main whip special it got its hitbox increased, and it feels like it's about another half of an inch of range. Uh, yeah, that's significant where the, the whip would kind of pass through your body before um, when you did it. Um, now, like, uh, basically the all parts of the whip have that the, the hitbox active on it and will, will clip you. So uh, imagine Manat standing heavy punch or Dalsum stand heavy punch, like having another half inch of range. Is that an absolute game changer? Probably not. You know, those moves are already great. Like that extra half inch, it means something, but it doesn't mean something amazing. Um, but it's definitely helpful overall. And this is one of Poison's main attacks. So when I'm talking about buffs to the character and people are going like, what did she get? That is one of the main things that stands out for me. A couple of things about Poison, and they sort of weigh in on both sides of the scale. The first is that the biggest reaction people are going to have is that they see, once they once they see it and once they feel it, is her potential for damage output, especially with certain V-Trigger 1 sequences with that Molotov cocktail burning your life away while she's doing other damage with EX moves. It's a it's surprising every time. It's one of those instances. I remember seeing Zangief, uh, Vangief, Zangief doing SBDs at on the Evo main stage back in like 2010. And every time he did one, even though we'd seen Zangief do a command grab a million times up until that point, it was still inspire like awe inspiring how far away it was. Yeah. And Poison's damage output in those certain sequences sequences is still awe inspiring. Of like, oh my gosh, this character can mop up your life bar like it's her job, and it is. So. Once you see that, I think people would take what they perceived the character to be and they're going to say, okay, she's better than I originally thought. The first time I really saw that, by the way, was Idom doing it at Capcom Cup. I had not seen a life bar melt like Punks did um, until Capcom Cup. I was like, whoa, that's a thing. You did like two or three times and it was like, this is a game changer for the character. Now, on the other side of things, um, she also is weird 
and in the sense that she fights at a different range than most characters in the cast. With her whip, she's got like a, a it's not dulcome, but it's like it's damn close, so it's a little bit closer. Uh, but she she can she can definitely space you out at odd places, and you have to study that. She's another one of those dulcome esque characters that you need to study Street Fighter Five and the basics, and then you need to study these characters because they're different enough that just the the general run of the mill ideas don't necessarily apply to them as efficiently as they might to other characters. And if you don't know that, you're just going to get mopped up by them pretty quickly and then fall into their setups and then it's ggs so it's a big part of it is having to learn how to play the character the ranges are not all that intuitive maybe that's what it is and so that's going to make people feel like she's uh better than she is because they haven't really studied that now maybe she's just really good and there aren't holes but i suspect that there are holes people just haven't figured out yet because she's one of those characters that requires extra attention so with those things in mind, I've heard that she's a, a big threat. I'm on the fence right now. I'm going to have to see results because I hear, I see potential for sure. But where does that potential actually play out when you're talking about the context of the rest of the cast? Eh. I think mid-tier is the lowest she's going to be, and she has some really strong potential to get up there. And hey, Idom is a much better authority than I am on, on this particular topic. So he's saying she's way up there. You got a lot of other players saying you need to fear poison. Mm -hmm. And some of that's going to be matchups for sure. Some of that's going to be matchups. It's going to be scarier for some than others. But when you see her play in a few tournaments, when some results come down the pike, you're going you're gonna to get a more well-rounded idea of the character. So that's kind of where I stand on her. I think she has potential. My guess, if I had to take a guess right now, would be uh, high mid. Mm. Just to flesh out a few of the other things she got to, uh, better, uh, faster, I should say, standing medium kick, standing heavy kick. Uh, and she got the health and stun buffs a lot of other people got. And then a few other like kind of quality of life buffs, like her critical arts a little faster. But she got some nerfs too. Like it was kind of a, it was an interesting thing. Definitely more buffed than she was nerfed. Um, but as you say, like a lot of people are putting her up as a higher end character and, and yeah, it's just it's fascinating to me seeing what's going on here uh, and seeing a character kind of like rise up due to buffs and also more people playing her and playing her at a high level as as you saw at Capcom Cup, like the the damage that Idom was doing. And as far as I know, he debuted that technology with poison. Uh, maybe he found it somewhere else. But the first time I saw it was uh, a few months at, at other a few months before Capcom Cup at other tournaments and just watching people's health bars melt away with some of the setups and things he was doing. I'm just like, hold he, he just did 50 percent damage with poison. How did he do that? Kind of it's it just it's amazing and so uh, i guess he was doing it at sfl too wasn't he yeah yeah it, it's oof it was it was wild watching what he could do so a, a very nice combination of people realizing that poison was being slept on and then also poison getting a very nice buffs here uh, i think that there is a chance like again uh if if we're going by items matchup chart like she's a top 10 character worst case and it's i don't think he's necessarily wrong there i certainly don't have irrefutable proof or uh, even an opinion that really is contrary to that I, i'm just more i'm more waiting to see right but um if there's someone who's going to claim that poison's that good and have me believe them it's item so can you for the people read off the tier category that g and abigail are in that would be i'll have to pull it up here oh i have it i can okay, i can read it off slight advantage but these characters don't play matchups <laughs> 
for people behind the scenes, we love to troll Dream King. Uh, it's like it's a constant thing, like in our chats and stuff like that. And those are his his two main characters. And so we were like putting his image into the uh, the tier rankings and whatnot. And just I mean, just really getting into him about it because, yeah. Um, it's not untrue at all. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty fair. Those characters really they they're matchup breakers. But love you and appreciate you, Stephen. Yep. Sorry, Stephen. All right. So that's enough about Street Fighter Five, at least for the moment. I'm sure we'll return to uh, to that game. But uh, another big game that's been kind of grabbing a lot of the attention recently is Dragon Ball Fighters. And uh, I don't really want to go too in depth about how awesome the finals were except just to say that Red Bull has put on an amazing event and they consistently have been doing this in the fighting game esports space they've done it year after year with Red Bull Kumite and we always have to take our hat off to the production value that goes into that it's more than just an event um I okay I am going to talk a little bit about it because we were talking about it on a best of five yesterday and I didn't realize this uh, but at the event they had the whole thing set up. Uh, there were a bunch of little bells and whistles on it, but one of the things that I remember talking about was that on the walls there were screens, and they had it set up so that after the players, the competitors picked a stage, those screens would light up with like that stage, so it was as though you were at the Tournament of Power or wherever they were fighting, surrounding the crowd. It's like, that is sick, and I hope that is here to stay, and I hope more... more uh, um, productions have that kind of a thing in it because that's really cool and that I think should be a part of because people are going to talk about that right and that's going to be something that's memorable it's going to add to the hype in some significant ways so anyways awesome awesome weekend for Dragon Ball Fighters and a big part of that was Red Bull putting on this huge event and everybody that went into the event but the significant thing I want to talk about is this game's journey as of late because Okay, it starts, it's this huge IP, it does everything right, this is about two years ago, and it blasts onto the scene, it's exciting, it's got great animation that's still true to the source material, but like updated for today, it looks awesome. Yes, we have a ton of Gokus, but it's something that people can complain about. But they're not complaining as though it's like really hurting the game, because there's a lot of other characters that you can pick from, and the Gokus play differently. It's not the worst thing in the world. And at the end of the day, a lot of people want all these different versions of Goku. So I'll leave that at there because I'm already going to get a bunch of hate mail for that one. But the game comes out strong. It has some problems, though. And even though it's hype and it's exciting to watch, we start seeing the same things over and over again. And it starts to get a little dull, both in the fact that animations are like getting played on repeat and that the the... The actual gameplay is sort of repetitive and once you've seen it 80 times even though it's high flying and magical and fireworks all over the place it's starting to feel kind of dull and it, it it's doing all right over these last two years uh, some of these character reveals have been a big deal it's got some cool attention with the pro tours and such but in the last like maybe six months or so i've been hearing a lot of uh dragon ball's kind of dead or and that's that's over the top those are just like the naysayers uh the 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 general idea hasn't been that the game's dead but it's certainly been waning when you have some people out there like oh the game's dead more than one or two it's like okay so it's popularity and it's hype levels are waning and it really needed something well all it took was a sneak peek at ultra instinct goku and we saw heads turn and ears perk up and already it was beginning to get back on the hype chain 
hype train just because of that. This weekend plays out. They announced that the game is changing in some significant ways. Not only are we getting UI Goku, but we're also getting Kefla. And that was cool. Five, and, and then three other new characters. And then you get to choose your assists now. All characters will have three assists, which is going to add to, first of all, mixing up the balance of the game. And two, uh, character, or, or I'm sorry, personal player expression is going to be more of a thing now. It's something that we really wanted in Street Fighter V. And Capcom intended that in a similar way by giving options to how you can play a character. Now, maybe maybe Krillin is still not amazing, but maybe he pairs up with one of the top tiers with, with one of his new assists, and suddenly Krillin is popping up on screen, even in like, you know, grand finals, things along those lines. I don't know that that'll happen, but there's potential for it. And hype and interest in the game almost suddenly surged right back in they have propped themselves up for we weren't sure it's like is there going to be another season is this are they just going to let it die out are we going to see fighters too all they had to do well not all they had to do they checked all the right boxes thus far we'll see how it actually plays out they're they're rebalancing the game uh, in some actually fairly significant ways i think there's like a new sort of comeback mechanic that's coming in which kind of sounds scary a lot of these things could also just outright break the game if they're not careful but my point is, it went from waning, waning, waning into right back on the hype train, and they've done it thus far in the progress with a, a surprising efficiency. So I just want to take my hat off to Bandai Namco and to the Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, I don't know everyone involved, the community, the the producers, and everything. It's like it's good to see that community and that kind of sect of our of our genre get a win like they're getting. Yeah, I don't know uh, if you saw the same thing, but oh yeah, no, no, I, I was very impressed with it. Uh, and one of the things I was very uh, happy about is that the team is considering making adjustments in season now. It's not a lock that they will, but again, that it is a it's consideration for their team that alterations to the game could happen now, like halfway through their pro tour. And thank goodness, because we don't need to lock stuff down so heavily when we're playing, you know, these competitive events. We've talked about it previously here on the podcast, and it's something we talked about for Capcom games, but it's great to see for Ben and Namco to be picking up this torch and running with it, too. Because tweaks to dominant characters and things go a long way in keeping these games more watchable and competitive. And I'm happy to see the Dragon Ball Fighters team just say, hey, you know what, like uh, GT Goku, uh, Team Gohan, like all those people, we can look into them and look at maybe knocking them down a peg or to like halfway through the season or whatever. And um, they, they did say, like, I want to be uh, clear with this because what you and I talked about before was like, hey, let's, you know, take a handful of changes and, and put them in. Uh, they did say they wanted to make maybe one big adjustment instead of a bunch of small adjustments. So it sounds like if Bandai Namco does this, it's going to be more of like a 0.5 approach, much like like Street Fighter V does where a mid-season adjustment happens and it's a big thing that redoes the game. Uh, but they also did say that things are up in the air at this time and these decisions should be finalized in the future. So it's more of like this is on the table um you know why talk about it if you're not considering it at all to you know type thing it's it's very clear this is a a heavy consideration for their team um and again it just it goes to that like hey this is fighting games in 2020 you need to tweak this stuff more often than once a year or once or two years or however often whatnot do it a few months six months or whatever like that's fine and give us a fresh product if there are major problems with it and dragon ball fighters has been one of the poster child for major balance issues in our community one of the absolute worst games when it comes to having dominant characters throughout its history uh it's unfortunately just been way far up there uh and now it looks like the team is addressing that head-on and and again i tip my cap to them for that in particular mm -hmm. it's a good time if you're not a dragon ball fighters player or if you walked away from it 
to come back and try it again now because even those that have been playing for a while, they'll still have a leg up on you. But it's square one in a lot of ways, and the game is going to evolve in some pretty significant ways. And I mean, they're they're making it potentially more watchable, potentially more balanced, potentially uh, uh, fresh. It is, and, and then also new characters that people are going to be excited to see. They're paying attention to what the community wants, and, and especially in this day and age where that's sort of the new dragon for, for developers to slay right now is figuring out how much relationship and how often they need to be in communication, listening to the to the community and updating their games and like what's what's just kind of chatter that shouldn't be listened to versus what is significant and, and would help me make my game better. Bandai in this in Tekken 7, like they're really doing a good job. And I and I wanna shout it out. I want to give thumbs up because you gotta praise when you see good behavior. Keep it going. Good stuff, Bandai. So Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is now out in Japan and Asia, um, you know, and you can import the game like to, if you get a, like a Japanese PSN account, you can get it and going. Um, and this game is kind of taking the FGC by storm. And I actually have a few issues with that, which I want to get into here in a second. But I do want to give the game its due first. Um, it's already made the Evo and CEO lineups. That is impressive for a franchise that many American people uh, in the FGC are not familiar with. Uh, the mobile RPG game, which is free to play, um, it has 24 million downloads. That's pretty substantial. And I think it's like uh, Dead or Alive 5 had like 8 million downloads or 5 million downloads. And then um, Tekken Revolution for the PS3 had like 2 million downloads. So just to kind of put that stuff in context there, it's when you're talking about a free-to-play game, like those numbers can sound extremely impressive, but it's it's not exactly uh, it's not apples to apples when you're talking game sales right mm -hmm. but uh for grand blue uh it has sold 150,000 copies in japan on its first day that is a big number uh now japan is probably going to be one of their biggest markets here so we're going to see how it does when it hits other territories um but like Right off the bat, the game is doing success, uh, is doing good business. Uh, the FGC is embracing it very heavily, uh, despite some of its very obvious problems. Um, there's a lot to like about the game, uh, and, and I, I want to give it its props first before I start bashing some of the stuff that's just complete another bullcrap that the FGC is completely okay with overlooking for some reason. And it's stuff like this is a PS4 exclusive game, you can't get it on any other platforms, it's only available in Japan and Asia regions right now. You can't get it elsewhere. It has delay-based netcode, which, you know, some people actually prefer over rollback netcode, but very few and far between. Most people realize that rollback code is vastly superior, um, especially uh, by people in the United States. Like, I mean, we just went through this with Guilty Gear. We've been through it with other games. It is, rollback code is seen as like way, way better. And the game does not have that kind of stuff. So... It's beautiful, and a lot of people are playing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I say that as sort of the chorus, uh, the chorus yeah. of the community. The reason that these, uh, let's say, these sins that the game clearly has uh, and that would, I mean, say if it were a new Street Fighter game, people would be looking for these things and pointing them out immediately, right? But that's because they've sort of been trained to do so with that franchise. Grand Blue, I mean, they're not going to look at it uh, in the same way. Now, if these are issues that actually are problems, they'll become apparent through the gameplay and people will be upset about them and then they will have more or less the same effect they would have on any game in any franchise because they're legitimate problems. And, and I'm not saying that they're not. So that's not a great look for Grand Blue if, if this stuff kind of 
is as bad as people say it is, um, it's it's obviously going to resonate in in the gameplay and the experience. But right now, it's a beautiful game that's it's on billboards and it's on. Um, you know, you go on our tweet deck and you have players from all over the world, you know, the, the West and then in Europe and in the East, just playing it and exploring it and excited about it. The big question that for me, and I think for everybody is it, is it going to be one of these two month games where it comes out and people are excited about it for about two months and then the community shrinks down to whatever the, the diehards are and it kind of stays there for a while and, and it'll, you know, it'll have about a year of running and then kind of fade into not obscurity but like it'll it'll have its you know small crowd that plays it after that i don't know if that's its fate or not right now it has a lot of momentum and majin tension Han, for i can say that all the time but not if we're on the podcast majin tension Han has a lot of faith in this game he's and he's oh, yeah. closer to the material there he's he's aware of how hype people are in japan and and um, you know, can actually you know, hear the reactions and, and appreciate the inflection and all that kind of stuff when people are talking about it. And he has a lot of faith in it right now. So it would be great if this, and, and also Psy Games behind it, that's nothing to, uh, to to scoff at. It's got some pretty big actors in its corner. Will it be enough? I think that it's going to shake out to the experience and that's exactly what we're exploring right now. So give it two months and then when we come back to it let's see if it's going as strong and then give it six months and come back to it and see if it's going as strong but i'm gonna be cautious about it hopeful but cautious i love how you put that and articulated that because that's what i'm seeing in the community and it blows my mind because if most of the other fgc developers did this kind of release and had these kind of approaches people would be livid but for some reason this game is pretty it's got a lot of appeals other kind of stuff it's fine questionable dlc practices this has an 11 person launch roster and before the game was even out they announced other dlc characters they announced four of them people are pissed off about it i just mentioned the netcode it's ps4 only there's no crossplay other regions are getting the game before the us does and it's still really iffy like on when it's even coming to europe like i've heard reports of oh yeah it's going to be out here it's going to be out there it's like it's completely up and off the wall and it's like how are people okay with this like and it's like oh but capcom does it and people lose their freaking minds it's like the joker meme that people always share right i would laugh i would just freaking laugh this game had 10 frames of input delay and the community said yep it's fine it's not a big deal who cares that this game hasn't but it's just like what like i I could i I would laugh because i could totally see it happening i could totally see the fgc being like ah it's fine but capcom's got eight oh my god this is the worst thing that's ever happened to us in our entire existence i can't believe capcom did this to us it's hypocritical beyond belief i don't get it and and i'm not saying but you you do get it though you get it because we all understand that what is put out there especially on social media is not motivated 100 by the truth it's motivated by how will people perceive this how do i perceive this because street fighter as the example and and what is perceived as an anime game that's off to the side that's like a different uh, it's not Street Fighter, and so the expectations are not going to get projected directly on that until you hit center stage and you stay there, and the spotlight kind of melts away all the facade, and people can see it for exactly what it is, and then all of a sudden, spe- expectations rise, and, and people care more. That's what it is, probably, is that at least here in the West, people care a lot more, and there's more history to go off of. So there, it's it's much more than just. I objectively care about input lag. It's like, no, it's it, in, when you're talking about input lag, when you're talking about all these ideas, 
they all get put through a filter depending on the uh, the the currently standing like uh, I guess stereotypes and perceptions about each different game and their development company and the relationship that's going on with them right now. But let's like I said, if these complaints and I have no reason to say that they're not valid. So if they're valid then they'll come out eventually because people will explore the game enough and they'll go, oh, yeah, it really sucks having this much input delay. It really dampens the experience. And when people talk with their actions at the end of the day, that's, I think, the most truthful thing that you're going to get out of it. So all of this is is absolutely valid, but it's not 100% truthful. And I don't think it can be just because of the human nature and <laughs> sprinkle social media interaction in on there. And yeah, you're really far from... 100% the truth. But I think that that's what we're seeing right now. So you take all of this with a grain of salt and you kind of wait and see. Yeah. I uh, just the irony kills me kind of thing. And you, you have valid reasons for it. It's like, uh, as we talk about a lot behind the scenes, you're not wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. It is hypocritical. It is. It is using one measurement stick uh, for one thing and another measurement stick for another. Yeah. But that's humans. Yeah. And it, it's the AAA games in our community often can't win because they're held up on such pedestals and expectations are super high with them. And I think this is a AAA game. Like I uh, saw games is big enough. And, you know, with the with the kind of numbers that we've seen here, um, just so people know, the RPG version of the game, it has characters like Chun-Li, Karen, Bison, uh, Sagat, and Ryu in them, among actually others uh, that Capcom has licensed out to Psy Games to put in there. Like, this is a very big deal. Um, I don't know exactly how much money was dumped into the game, like the, you know, the fighting game version of this to, to call it AAA or not, but it's at least should be somewhat in the ballpark here. And so you're, you're, we're talking about kind of an even playing field, and yet this game has got so much just complete getting out of jail free scenarios going forward. It just blows my mind. And I'm like, man, FGC, way to be hypocritical. And I'm not saying it's everyone. I, I know there's a bunch of other people who are calling this out. We flat out called it out. Um, Maj Attention Hand actually wrote an article about the DLC practices and how they're completely bogus and just bullcrap. Uh, it got a decent amount of attention, but if we just stuck Capcom on there, we changed nothing else about it except for it's Capcom and Street Fighter. The community would be pitches. Uh, what is that? Uh, um, uh, pitchforks and, and torches there we go those are the words i'm looking mm -hmm. for and just going crazy at capcom's doorstep about how much they're going to beat them up you know because like how crappy and how out of touch they are but the, it's grand blue it, it is a different game it's not capcom so people don't care as much and i get the reasons why it's just damn it people like be fair be fair about this stuff to these other companies uh, it, it's i'm asking people to be fair in the fgc i know but whatever so yeah i mean if brad pitt posts a racist tweet or if joe schmo posts a racist tweet it's gonna be a hugely different reaction from people and it like should it be they're both people right but and you can make different arguments there i suppose like influence or whatnot but at the end of the day you're gonna get a lot more reaction and a lot more scrutiny over a high profile figure than you are over joe schmo and that's yeah. just the way things it's are triple a game too it's close to it yeah it's a big but it's game. but it's but, yeah, but it's not received it. by the community like that at least not yet now if we have a bunch of success those expectations will then be set in place and and it will be treated differently. But it has to pass that bar. And and maybe it has in Japan because it's way more popular there right now, right? And people know about it and such. This is kind of our first taste here in the West for right. a lot of people. Yeah, first taste, so you can't even play it. Again, it's it's only <laughs> if you right. if you go on you know and make a Japanese PSN account and do all that kind of stuff, you can play it. But I mean it's only available in Japan and some Asia territories. Gotcha. 
Yeah. So anyway, so I, I'm in this game. I, I, absolutely. If it was on PC, I already would have bought it. I was just talking with Majin Tension and because of the design of it. I love the characters. Like I'm like, Ooh, I would love to play this on PC. Like right now, I wish I could. Uh, it's just not available. And I'm like, damn, well, that sucks. Like, and I'm, my feelings on the PS4 are well known. You know, I'm not a big fan of that system. I don't like buying stuff on there. This game looks interesting enough to me that I would consider buying it. But I'm again, uh, just too many, too many hurdles for me right now that I wish, you know, we, we get cleared out and I hope they do. Uh, I hope Psy Games and Arxis, like they, they get the stuff figured out and, and start opening up because I want to enjoy these games too. I want to have crossplay. I want to have all this kind of stuff. I want to be able to buy it on PC. Uh, shout us to SNK. Maybe you could really Samurai Showdown on PC finally after you said you were like, you know, eight months ago or something like that. I really <laughs> wouldn't mind playing the game on PC, but yeah, yeah, it's cool. Anyway, so <laughs> a little salt there. Just I'm a little mad about the scenario, but uh, let's get into something that no one should be mad about and definitely not upset at all. Street Fighter V's netcode and the implications that's going to have on the Intel World Open, which is coming up here very soon. Um, this actually starts on March 21st uh, for many territories. It, it depends on where you are at in the globe on where it's going to go. Um, but there are beta tests going on right now for Tournament Edition of Street Fighter V that, as far as I can see, last up to about March 15th. So you can see uh, March 15th to the 21st there that your beta test and then like launching of the Intel World Open, which we assume is going to be ran on the tournament edition of Street Fighter V. That's kind of like the big thing. Um, if we're going to get a netcode update or if they're going to lock down the netcode mod, the assumption is going to be they're going to try and have that done before tournament edition like officially kicks up and the Intel World Open starts. And the reason why is... is Capcom and Intel signing this deal is huge for Capcom and having integrity and, and, um, and having your event integrity, <laughs> having your event potentially go off the rails because of the netcode mod are really bad. You know, experience and stuff like that is something Capcom does not want to happen, even in the slightest. They want this to go at the highest level possible, have great feedback, have great everything so that they can show Intel they know what they're doing and know what they're doing at a high level. And this is a big deal. This is not something that, that Capcom's like, oh, yeah, like whatever and stuff like that. One, we already know the netcode mod is a big deal for them. And two, uh, we know very personally that this deal with intel is a gigantic deal for them yeah this this whole thing really sucks for capcom right now i can only imagine how things are going in the offices i, I almost no doubt that plans are turned on their heads and these guys can't just catch a damn break now did they bring this on themselves you can make that argument for sure but man it's, with how much is on the line here uh, you just laid it out what they need from their product right now and then what this mod has done <laughs> to their product and it's like ultimately maybe this is a step in making the entire experience better but that step happening right now that sucks for capcom man and uh my heart goes out to him a little bit yeah. it's like yeah you might have made this bed somewhat but it, it's just unfortunate timing here i wonder man i wonder if uh if things don't go well here do they go after these modders in some way like legally because like they're really messing with their with their business at this point. Uh, at least you could you could paint the picture that way. Yeah, I don't think that they would because of the PR hit and the um, the yeah the modders like don't have anything to give Capcom beyond you know like yeah it's, they'd just it, be mad and getting back at them. It, but pretty yeah, it's much, not worth it, it. it's basically like you're you know you're the schoolyard bully at that point taking lunch people's lunch money away. You know, it's like, why would you do that? I think it would be a bad look for Capcom to do it. Um, I think they just have to deal with it and, and patch up their game. Um, and so I, I, 
this is a big deal for the company, as we just established. And we're about a month and a week from, from the day we're recording this uh, for Capcom to kind of deliver on either a netcode update or locking down the netcode mod. Uh, they could ha- It could happen before the deadline. There's nothing saying they couldn't do it before then. But I mean, that's kind of like what they're looking at. Uh, and maybe they don't make it. Maybe they're not actually able to deliver it. They've never promised any kind of date. Uh, the only thing we've heard from them is, uh, you know, over and over again, is that they take it very seriously. So as you mentioned, it's just kind of an unfortunate um, set of circumstances here. Uh, but one thing they do have to combat this, uh, it actually is baked in right to the tournament edition rules, is you actually have the ability to raise an objection, uh, Phoenix Wright, shout out there, uh, about the quality or state of someone's connection. Um, and you can say, hey, like, I feel like, you know, the, the, the match outcome was compromised or it was messed up or something like that. I don't know how Capcom tracks this stuff, and I don't know how well they could track it with, like, the netcode mod, you know, in place and stuff. But they do have some mechanisms in place, like just baked in, um, you know, thank goodness to them, they, they thought of this, you know, in advance, that if stuff is really messed up, you can kind of contest the results and, and try to figure out a way of working through it that way. So Online is still a widely unexplored battlefield for us. And I'm more and more every day hoping for the day that comes along where online is widely a valid way of playing fighting games because it's a valid way of playing a lot of other genres and it's clearly the way of the future not even the future but right now and the future fighting games need to get there and they need to get there quick and this is like capcom's trying a lot of these companies are trying and this is a very rough kind of situation that they're in now it could come out and and be and for what we're going through right now it could play out all right for them but at the end of the day it's still like we're dealing with best case scenario is is still at the risk of whatever your internet provider will give you and and that's not amazing around here so it just kind of sucks it feels like it's uh we just need that next generation of of internet and of of technology or something like that so that online is actually a thing um I, I do want to get into, like, I, I've been sticking my toe in this. I've played a handful of online mat, uh, tournaments over the last couple of years with Street Fighter um, Five mainly, and a little bit with Four. There's some online things, but mainly with Five. And then most recently, we just kicked off the Street Fighter League Amateur, uh, or I guess the Street Fighter Amateur League, something along those lines, and I'm mm-hmm. representing Arizona here. And we got started there, and, and, and we'll talk about that um, in a little bit. But I, I have some thoughts on it. It's just, it's not where it needs to be yet to, to keep up with everyone else. And like they're trying and they're figuring out. I'm just, I'm hoping they figure it out sooner rather than later. And it's not even just the fighting game developers. It's also just general online capabilities because they don't seem quick enough to deal with, you know, a, a, as much precision as fighting games need. Mm-hmm. Online is never going to be the experience that people want it to be. It's it's never going to be, you know, you, you always have to play stuff offline. I don't care, you know, how good your net code is. Like, there's always going to be those hiccups and stuff. But it can be a lot more valid than it is right now. And, yeah. and I think that's kind of the, the thing that we need to establish in the FGC and say, hey, look, like, we need this baseline expectation in our, in our games to be at least this good. And we're on our way there with rollback code being a standard. Um, ha, 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 not in all games, but in some games, you know, the, the, the bigger ones right now, they're, they're really trying to get that into place. And, and all that stuff, it matters. It adds up at the end of the day, um, and it's it's not even just for the competitive players, but it's also like it's everyone else. Like, how about all the other people who are having a very frustrating online experience? Who, when they go to play Halo, Halo, or they go to play something else, are having a much better online experience? That's not good. 
you know, and, and that, that hurts our community and other stuff like that. So there's just some baseline stuff that in our community we're getting better at. We're just not there already. Um, and it's, it's nice to see the growth. Uh, and hopefully that growth continues to get to a point where it's like net code is always going to be a thing that people talk about, but hopefully that it's dialed back from probably like a 10 out of 10 right now, maybe down to like a three or a two. Um, there it is. Well, I have a pretty uh, relevant story, and it's from actually just last night. It is the Street Fighter Amateur League. We had our first official bout. We were supposed to have like a preliminary bout last Tuesday, but it didn't happen. First off, I don't know how much of this is Capcom and how much of it is just relying on the individual communities and the TOs that are supposed to be running it to be efficient, but... Uh, there have been a lot of balls dropped. Um, like I think it was uh, what's Zaffarino yesterday uh, posted on Twitter that he wasn't informed that all of the events were on Tuesday evenings when he works and he's, he works tonight, he works next week, he's going to be working the week after that. He's not going to be able to participate in this whole thing. Um, and I'll say from my point of view, uh, uh, some of the information has been available, but not a ton of it. Um, and then on the other side of things, a lot of us are sort of like like once people realized that it was all online, which I don't think they did at first. But once people realized it was a completely an, an online thing, the excitement and the hype levels for it certainly dropped, and that's understandable because yeah. it's like, well, what exactly are we hashing out here? Because it's going to put a huge damper on the competitive. Uh, uh, problem-solving experience that you kind of want when you play Street Fighter. But that's not all you get. And so there is some silver lining to this. But we played last night, and it was Team Arizona versus Team Louisiana, which happens to be, if you don't know your geography, almost all the way across the country. (laughs) So we're... uh, Oh, and it's also... I don't know. It's probably because of the whole um, mod thing that we were just talking about. But it had to be played on PS4. So everyone's playing on PS4. And um, so... Louisiana streaming it and we're playing and it's clear that the lag is there and when I played my match it was pretty goofy it wasn't valid almost from like two two or three seconds after the round started and from there on out it was a constant feel of well this isn't Street Fighter I'm not playing to win this tournament in the way that I'm normally playing to win a tournament it's it's something else and I can't tell you exactly what it is yet um, and when I say something else, I mean there's some value to it, and I'll get to that in a second. But it certainly wasn't what I'm normally doing, because if I lose or if I win, the L or the W still appears, but I don't really attach myself or this other player that I'm playing against. I'm not getting the actual experience of playing the Sabuki player, and they're not getting the experience of playing against me. I was jumping constantly because it felt like the right thing to do, given the, the very stop-and-go situation that we were in. And everybody said that their experience was more or less the same on that level uh, but here's what happened though we started playing and for I don't know we didn't talk about it very much outside of just the team of guys that uh, here in Arizona that uh, are, are preparing to actually play it but all of like a ton of Arizona and and from like different chapters of the fighting game scene young and old showed up in the chat and we got to revisit something that I haven't felt in a long time. We were in the chat and and we were we were giving it a sense of validity and credence in that we were really rooting for our boys. Mm-hmm. And that was really fun and it was funny. And we got to, uh, not as many Louisianans, if that's how you say it, in the chat. But there were a few and that was cool because this whole thing became our team versus their team. And while it wasn't, and I don't think anyone would say it was, a, a, a 
example of street fighter skills uh that's not what it was but it was us versus them and it was fun and we were throwing so many louisiana puns into the chat making fun of them uh arizona is i would argue rowdier than the dr oh wow um, I, I well there's a there's a language barrier because i don't understand everything that the dr might be saying uh when they're when they're you know hyped for their boys but Arizona also likes to say a bunch of <laughs> snooty, dumb things like telling other teams that they eat boogers and making jokes. And like, so one of our players, Rambro, he plays Falk. And while he was playing, uh, I think it was Driftwood actually in the chat was, uh, you know, Falk uses a baton. Like uh, <laughs> Rambro landed this awesome sequence with V-Trigger into a DP, you know, where she she hits him with her uh, baton there. And he's like, give him the old baton rouge, you know, and... and uh, uh, just a bunch of dumb Louisiana puns saying that Popeyes wasn't as good as Chick-fil-A, things like that. And and there was this sense of community and, and a friendly us versus them that made it feel successful. And even though I walked away from it feeling like this was not an example of Street Fighter play, it was an example of communities being able to interact with each other and coming away feeling like that was really fun in this particular sense. And so with what we have right now with online capabilities, that's maybe more of the avenue we go down. And when we try to say, well, what do we get out of this? There is something there. Mm -hmm. There is an entertaining and exciting and I dare say maybe worthwhile interaction to be had. It just isn't street fighter or fighting games and that's what you really want it to be is that but there is something there i disagree with that and and i i the the big reason i go back to this is like yes it's not the ultimate decider we don't want to have you know the next capcom cup all online and that's how we do it right um but you and i have both played people online and then played them offline and had basically the same results it didn't matter um things had not changed basically from from either format and just double checking you agree with that right I've had plenty of examples where I've played someone online and then offline and had vastly different results. But you've also had the other one, though, as well, right? Uh, I'm sure I have. Okay. So that's my point is like there are certain circumstances and certain times and places where the online experience is just as valid as offline. It may not always feel that way because we have so many, you know, different, you know, factors and other things going in there. But overall, it can be that way. Well, not when you're playing Arizona to Louisiana. I agree with you. Now, and again, I'm not saying that your experience is, you know, not totally relevant and completely uh, an accurate picture of where we're at right now. I think it is. Um, What I'm saying is eventually this can take off and be pretty darn valid once we start checking a few more of these boxes here. Like, hey, let's get some better better net code. Uh, Let's get some more like maybe region restrictions where we're not playing people halfway across the country like with Arizona to Louisiana. That's about half distance of our country there. That's probably not ideal, you know, but maybe you stick people against like, you know, Arizona, maybe Texas or New Mexico or something like that you like you build kind of regions that that people are locked into and maybe you have some like uh online verification tools for their their net uh their their internet you know to make sure that they can actually hold up well um because if you have someone who has a terrible internet i don't care if they're next door to you their your connection is going to be garbage to them it's Mm -hmm. there's so many factors that can go into this where you can really actually make a very valid experience and you and i have had those valid experiences with just doing random ranked online and we go and we take it offline and it was it was basically the same result same kind of thing it wasn't a giant difference and again i'm not saying overall that's the case i'm saying there's been instances of that and if we've had those instances 
since it's clear back in the Street Fighter 4 days, we can certainly start ramping up here in 2020 and in future years to have a much more valid online experience. It's going to take time. It's going to take perception. Because right now it's like, oh, online is garbage. And I still hear that from so many people. I don't personally feel that way. I feel like online is generally valid. It can be invalid, like if you have a bad connection. But overall, I think that the results you have uh, uh, online are generally going to be what you have offline uh, if your connection is pretty good. You know, it's I think that both things work the same way. But it's just my opinion. But my, my whole point of this is we can get better and we should get better. And, and, but it starts with taking these initial very painful steps, you know, walking on broken glass, whatever, and stuff to get to the prize that we're, that we're ultimately trying to aim for, which is making online a better environment for everyone. Yeah. And that's why I get back to, I'm hoping for the day when the technology kind of catches up to, well, or where fighting games are valid online. But I'm, I'm not sure I, I see exactly where we disagree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you. You were just mentioning um, that that some of the experiences that you have um, have been like completely different, like from from offline, uh, from online to offline. Well, sure, so. but like from what I was saying, and that this doesn't feel like a what happened last night. No one's walking away from that saying this is what would happen. We weren't playing Street Fighter games. We were we were. I was jumping like, and we were just laughing because it was kangaroo style. One guy, I was in the corner, and I just threw him a hundred times because. Like, I was like, this is goofy. I'm just going to be goofy. I was not playing the way I would be playing offline. I know that. And these guys weren't either. And and even even when you're trying to play the way you would play online versus offline or whatever, you're dropping combos or you're getting hit confirms that didn't actually happen and they roll back into, oh, you just wasted super. Uh, things along those lines. It's just, it's, it's, it's very much not the same thing. And, and yes, it can be very close if you have a good connection, but that's a huge if that very much isn't consistent enough for us to start treating online and, with any kind of validity. And that's where you and I disagree is I don't think it's that huge of an if. I think it's actually much closer if we do the right things to set it up. And I think if that the FGC have built up the online infrastructure that a lot of other um, communities have, I think we'd be so much more closer to that right now uh, with existing internet connections and other things. I think that we have been very bad in the FGC about setting up that kind of infrastructure due to netcode, due to developers, due to just kind of general understanding of how netcode works and how the internet works and people having like acceptable standards for connections to play online. A bunch of other things that other communities and games have developed over the years that we have just been, we're, we're in ancient times over here. Like we are so far behind the curve when it comes to online play and how the FGC handles that compared to many other other communities out there and, and that's again you say it's a big if I don't think it's a big if I think it's just I think it's like literally like we just got to step up and do the work yeah if if those changes can be put into place I'm very ready to to change my tune here but with what I've experienced so far and that's what I'm going off of uh, that that those are the responses you're getting is, is oh, bounced yeah, no, off of I, my current experiences. But I what agree. are some of the things that we could be doing as the community on the on the on the community side of things, not the developers and not the you know the 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 ISPs? What can we be doing to make the experience better? Okay, first it starts with people's internet connections. One of the very simple things that you can do before you go to play online is make sure you reboot your router and your modem. That usually gets your connection kind of restarted to a point where you're about as optimal as can be. You can also disable your Wi-Fi, uh, and you should be directly hardwired in. To your modem. Some people still play on Wi-Fi. We don't have a detection system for that um, and stuff like that. And then we can start limiting matches to people that are within a thousand miles from your location. 
you know, and like if you're beyond a thousand miles, we just don't set up matches online uh, beyond that because more than likely the experience is not going to be a good enough one. And then you you start giving people online tools to to capture and measure how good their online connection is. And so if you don't have a good enough connection, you are not allowed to participate in this league. You are just flat out now where you ain't going to do it. You don't meet the threshold that we need to have for your connection to hold up well and be good online. Those are a few of the things I would start with. Fair enough. Fair enough. And um, I'm I'm gung ho about marching forward and making progress in this avenue, because when we unlock online to that next level, maybe two levels from where we're at, um, I think that the potential opens up in some really big ways. And hey, we could use that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it would open a lot of doors for our community. We've been so resistant to it, and it's time for that resistance to go away. Uh, the technology is good enough for us to have somewhat valid experiences online. I'm not saying entirely valid, I'm saying somewhat valid experiences online, even with this league structure right now, here in 2020, uh, internet connections, you know, like as is, are good enough for us to do it. But it's going to be, you know, several steps here. We might need improved net code. We might need a few other things in, in place and whatnot. But if we have been working towards this, you know, for the last 10 years, we'd probably be in a lot better of a spot than we are right now. Hmm. Well, just to uh, since we're talking about amateur league and such, I'll just say really quick that we won all of our it's Pokemon style. We won all of our first round matches except for one against a Bison player who uh, who beat our Bison player. So then he ran back through and almost lost to our first player that came back up again. It was like last game last round, but ended up beating him and then beat the next dude and then beat me in the last game last round. And it was Bison V Trigger one in the worst lag that I've ever played in an online match that I've continued to play, right? That I didn't just like that didn't just 4002 me or whatever. Okay, I, I have to interrupt you right there and just say everything I just said about online being valid is wrong. I, I'm right. so sorry. That's yeah, a Bison V Trigger 1. V Trigger 1. That's no Get good. wrecked. And, but here's the other thing, too. In the middle of it, as much as I've said oh. in this, even just in this podcast just now, it's not a, it's not Street Fighter. Like, I don't, I don't take those results and say, that's how I did today because it just isn't. But man, the second that. <laughs> The second that you lose, that that standing light punch hits you because he just teleported 17 times on either side of you and light punched you or whatever it was. Oh, man, the the feels still come in full on because, you know, also all of your community is watching and hoping that they can say crap to the other guys. And nope, this guy's gaining momentum. And the commentators are still talking about it like, hey, we just got another one. And hey, here it comes. Uh, talking about it like it's an actual Street Fighter match. And in some ways it is, but in some ways it very much isn't. Uh, the, they got all the way to our, our last one. So it went from being four to one to four to four. And then Akita pulled it out and won. So Arizona has defeated Louisiana. Although they do have a very good chicken sandwich, Popeyes is not as good as Chick-fil-A. And uh, hopefully that was the worst because I think they're the farthest group that we're going to be playing um, in this league. But I do look forward to continuing to play in this league. I think it is a good experiment. And um, and I also expect that this is where a lot of the bumps in the road become apparent. And then maybe Capcom can use the experiences here to fix those for the bigger ventures, both in Intel World Open and whatever the future holds. we got to start somewhere. And that's what we're starting right now. Uh, we should have been doing it about 10 years ago. But, uh, it, you know, it is what it is. And, and now we're, we're, you know, putting our toes in this water. And we're, we're going to get to a better spot. I can I can promise uh, the entire community actually it's this, these are the the first steps in a much better journey for everyone except for by some players they can go straight to hell 
So. <laughs> anyway, no way better to end the podcast than that. Yeah. All, uh, ban all Bison players from online. I just screw those guys. But anyway, that's going to wrap us up. We're running long here. Uh, but thank you all again so much for listening, and we'll be with you soon. See you.